what's up, what's up, what's happening, what's good? This is the November 15, 2020 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I'm your host, James Bell, leader of the Boxing Source. You can follow us on Facebook through the Boxing Source. We also have a Facebook group, so you can look up the Boxing Source. And uh, we have a page, Facebook page and a Facebook group. You can also uh, follow us on Instagram through the Boxing Source and follow us on Twitter at Boxing Source 2. And uh, we do have a YouTube channel, uh, so you can catch um, things on there. Um, number to dial in, 347-237-5539. 347-237-5539. Press the one key to get on queue. You'll be able to talk live on the show. Um you also, you know, welcome anyone that uh, is willing to contribute to the boxing source. Uh, this is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you use for podcasts. Uh, so if you have like a small business or a large business or anything like that and want to get your name out there, uh, you can uh, contact us through social media and we can work a few things out so that you know we can arrange a commercial uh, to be posted on this podcast. Uh, of course, I want to get into you know what's been happening in the boxing scene. Uh, of course, you have the uh, fight card in Las Vegas last night. Uh, you also had news uh, earlier this week um, in reference to Mr. Saul Canelo Alvarez, and he did also have news about a fight that was supposed to be scheduled for December 5th, but it will be rescheduled. Um, Also, another fight that was scheduled for December 12th, and that'll be rescheduled. But wanted to just get into uh, what happened in Las Vegas. Uh, with the main card on ESPN, and I don't know, man. I, I think that uh, you know a few people were kind of like disappointed in how uh, the stuff went down, um, particularly in that cold feature bout. He had the rematch between Andrew Maloney and Joshua Franco, um, and we saw what happened there. Two rounds. It ain't, it ain't even go two rounds, man. It ain't even go two rounds. And they halted the bout. Joshua Franco's eye, like, uh, was a was a closed and closed mess. Uh, they felt they initially felt like it was like a headbutt or something like that, but it came from a punch. And that wasn't the bad worst part about it. The worst part about it is they went through replays for almost 30 minutes before they came down with an official decision. And the official decision was basically a, a no decision. Uh, so a decision <laughs> that was a no decision, right? Man. Yo, that's crazy. You know, that's crazy. Um, 
Maloney was coming in there to get his, uh, what is that, the WBA regular belt. You know, he was, uh, had his fight against uh, Josh Franco a few months ago. And that uh, fight a few months ago, Josh Franco uh, was just taking it to Maloney, right? And, you know, when he was doing that, uh, he was able to score a knockdown in round 11. And he was en route to a unanimous decision uh, win. Now, the scorecards there, he only had uh, one scorecard that was basically in his favor. The other, there were two that if it wasn't for the knockdown, it would have been 114-114. And then it would have ended up being a majority draw, which meant that Maloney would have been able to kept his super flyweight title but because of that knockdown um that was the difference um I mean to me you know I just felt like in that particular fight Joshua Franco just took the fight to Andrew Maloney and took him to deep waters and when he had the knockdown that was when he was you know basically uh overwhelmed but in the second fight you saw Maloney be very sharp, be very aggressive, doubling up, tripling up with the jabs, throwing shots to the body. Um, you know, Franco was kind of slow to slow to react to it. So, you know, kind of like seeing that um, Andrew Maloney was there to make a statement that he was like, yo, I mean, yeah, he got me this the first time around, but I'm ready to go get at him in this second fight uh, and I'm going to take it to him. And that's basically what he was doing. Like, he was He was landing a bunch with his jabs uh, in that first round. I mean, come on now. You were able to see the first round about like 50 times in those replays. (laughs) And in those replays, shoot, you saw Andrew Maloney being, uh, you know, very sharp uh, with his jabs. And he definitely, you know, of course, he won that first round. So, um, you know, my thing is, is, what in the world was the Nevada State Athletic Commission doing over the course of those replays to where they kind of saw that, oh, it was a, 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 I guess a, a clash um, through an accidental head, but when the only time that the head, any type of head butt came forth was when, you know, Goes other side of his face was hit. It wasn't even the eye that basically had the issue. Now, he did get hit with a left jab that was followed up, you know, but that was it. And that's basically part of the punch. So, my thing is, how are you going to have this instance where um, you know, I would say that what that they would make a decision to the point where it say it was an accidental hit, but that just, you know, didn't make any sense whatsoever um, there. So no contest. Um, Joshua Franco still holds that WBA title. Um and that's bad for Andrew Maloney. And, 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 the, and the funniest part about it is, right, 
It was a top-ranked event. Andrew Maloney is the top-ranked fighter. And they decided to get the top-ranked fighter. <laughs> and so the, the fighter in, in Joshua Franco, like, he, you know, was under, basically under Golden Boy Promotions, man. <laughs> and they started with fighter that's under Golden Boy Promotions. I, I, I just thought that was real funny right there, man. Uh, shout out to Intangible uh, that is joining us through YouTube, man, uh, here on the simulcast that's on YouTube, on the Boxing Source YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I mean, Josh Franco was, you know, there. He's basically under Golden Boy Promotions. You know, he hasn't, you know, done much of anything there, you know, under top rank other than, you know, get this uh, position here. Um, with this fight against Andrew Maloney, you know, um, he had those, you know, two fights against, uh, Oscar Negret, uh, and that was, you know, in the Bantamweight division, right? Yeah, that was like a Bantamweight. Then he goes to <laughs> Super Flyweight to have his fight, goes down to Super Flyweight to have his fight against Andrew Maloney, and, like I said, in the first fight, was able to score the win. Because, you know, we were trying to feature the Maloney brothers uh, in two different fight cards. First one, where Andrew Maloney, he has H. Maloney in another uh, fight card. And, you know, got the win there before going up against, you know, the bus saw in Naira in a way and get beat up. But, I mean, you see in there and Andrew Maloney uh, losing. Uh, that was, man, and that was like back in June. I didn't know it was that far back. I thought that was like in August or something. But real talk, yeah, man, that thing was June 23rd. That that was like within the first couple of weeks of, uh, you know, those bouts that they had in the bubble in Las Vegas for top rank. But I guess they turned around had this rematch about five months later, and, you know, this is basically the uh, result that you have here. You know what I mean? So, uh, that's kind of, you know, what we had in this particular bout between Joshua Franco and Andrew Maloney. So I see another bout between those two fighters happening. Um, I guess it'll be by March because, I mean, it was still a serious injury to Joshua Franco. And you kind of saw Bob Arum, you know, Bob Arum was out there, man, and Bob Oh my God! I don't know what is up with these guys. They had them in there, and they were just showing the replay a whole bunch of times. I was there. I was right behind them, and even when I was right behind them, and I had the money in my back pocket, they still wouldn't take the money, and they judged in favor of Joshua Franco. I just can't believe it. With that is basically what happened, man. I was like, yo, how do you have all of this stuff happening? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, how do you have all this stuff happening? And, and it goes in favor of Josh Franco. And, and and the thing about it was was the whole the whole telecast kind of like was on some different type of vibes to me because 
Like you, you, you promote this event. You, you promote that. Okay, it's Crawford versus Brooke. You, you say okay, it's gonna happen ten o'clock Eastern time, ESPN and whatnot, right? By ten o'clock, those that are watching, you know, those that are boxing fans, they're turning over to ESPN. And they're seeing a college football game with the sorry ass Florida Gators. Yeah, I said it's sorry as fuck. All right. And it's about another ten, nine minutes left in the game. So how is it that you're going to try to commit these time slots to top ranking and and in their boxing, but you got college football going on? Right, so whoa, what? So what you gonna do? It's SEC football, since some these people in, I guess, the South or whatever, love SEC football for some reason. You still gonna have a game that was, you know, well decided back in the second quarter or something like that, and you still having that game on when you're. You know, your uh, co-feature bouts or your other bouts that were on ESPN Plus had been over already. So you're having all of those people that were paying attention to watching what was going on on ESPN Plus with those fights ready to switch over to ESPN, and this is what they get. And it's not been the first time that this has happened. I'm trying to pinpoint if it was the Loma Lopez fight where they also had college football on before Loma Lopez, the ESPN's coverage of Loma Lopez was supposed to come on. And you had folks sitting, sitting, waiting, just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you follow that up from a 1030, what they started around 1030, I got to be straight up with this. You start around 10.30, 10.45. You had this fight with Andrew Maloney and Joshua Franco. Fight doesn't last but one and a half rounds. And then you have that controversy going on for 30 minutes. So we're going at about 11.45 Eastern time, about 11.45 Eastern time or something that and you didn't really have a decision on that bout until after that then that happens and then the start of Crawford versus Brooke doesn't really go on until what 12 a.m. 12 a.m. Eastern time 9 a.m. I mean not 9 a.m. but 9 p.m. Pacific so that's kind of a yeah, that's that's not a good look. Especially when uh they, they say that they were gonna have this thing on UK through like what fight sports or some you know, some type of uh channel they had on fight sports or fight something. Right? And it was gonna be what? Five AM, five five fifteen AM over in the UK. That that's you know, that's just crazy there. That's that's uh nuts. Um, just wanted to get uh, someone on the line here uh, from the 205 area code. What's going on with you? What's going on, James? It's Mike Grady. How you doing, man? 
Uh, I'm I'm doing okay, Mike. Man, I'm I'm doing okay. Just going over the overall telecast from ESPN and how they kind of like dropped the ball uh, on Saturday night uh, with what they were doing. But um, uh, give your overall thoughts on what was happening out there. So, um, yeah, I, I I would agree with you holistically. They dropped the ball. Um, you know, I understand, you know, with college sports, uh, with other entities going on, you have to be very flexible in terms of what time you can start. So the game, the game didn't end until 10, 30, 11, maybe even 12. It, it was like pretty late, right? Like after 10. Well, after and, that. Yeah, it was like 11 or something. So the fight started late in itself and then the first match was over three rounds, four rounds and in it being over in a few rounds the video evidence finding was longer than the whole fight and so you know I get it, they want to get it right they want to get the outcome right but and I guess you can't stop a fight until you render a decision but I've seen plenty of other fights where they rendered the decision and then went back to it and changed it or whatever, called it a no contest, called it whatever they need to call it. I guess in terms of the two fighters, it was that important, but it was 30, 40 minutes later when the, when the final fight started and that was 12 p 12 AM or later, you know? So they really dropped the ball on that one because the momentum that they could have had, you know, think of Errol Spence fighting right after the Olympics or whatever the uh, the event was. Uh, I don't think it was the Olympics. It was maybe college football. But whatever it was, it was a primetime event on, on network TV. And then right after that, they went into the Errol Spence fight. And then you saw Errol Spence had 4 million views, 2 to 4 million views, some, some crazy number like that after that event. They had, you know, the Florida. It was Summer Olympics. I thought it was the Florida uh it was the Florida Arkansas game or something like that. Oh, and, tonight, yeah. you know. Or yeah, last night. I mean on ESPN. Yeah, last night. And so the momentum was there, you know, people even though the game was a blowout, there was still that crowd that was there. They they could have flew through that first fight and then got into the Terrence Crawford fight, like people would have been, been clamoring over it, people would have been talking about it, but I would imagine most of the casual fans didn't even make it to see the fight. I mean, 30 minutes later, them twiddling their thumbs, and, you know, they kept going through the through the replays, but when they went through it, there was something that looked like a, a head, but, but it was it happened so fast, and they, they didn't um, – they did not show that clip as many times as they showed the the jab that, that caused, you know, farther damage, so – I'm not really sure. Was it a headbutt or was it not? I mean, I saw something that looked, that looked, you know, they moved really fast and they got really close to each other. And I don't know if if his if his eye blew up after that. Getting to the main fight, you know, Terrence Crawford came out in a right hand style, in an orthodox style. Kell Brook was pretty much winning the the boxing match in terms of that orthodox stance. It looked and Terrence Crawford looked very uncomfortable. He looked uncomfortable when Kell Brook was controlling him with the jab. He was uh, getting off. I can't even say he was getting off first. He just was getting to the mark faster, and it, it it just looked like 
he didn't know what to do. And the jab just kept peppering him, pow, 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 hitting him right in the face, such that his eye mm-hmm. or or right above his eye started, you know, developing like a uh, a mouse or something. And yeah. so, you know, Terrence Crawford did the best thing he could have did, which was make the adjustment, give him a different look to where he put his right hand out in front. And so the angle at which Kell Brook would enter changed for him. And so the, the, the look changed completely. So, you know, as such, Kell Brook stopped jabbing as much. And or it was hard to jab. Even though people say the best punch to get to, you know, opposite fighting hands is, is, the, is the strong, is the dominant hand, the right hand or the left hand straight. Um, but I've seen people have success because let's say if your right hand is in front, my left hand is in front. If I'm not letting you, if I'm controlling you with my left hand and I'm not even letting you lean into your left hand to even hit me with it, like I'm controlling you and keeping you straight up. Like there are so many things you can do with with that offhand to where you can control your opponent and, you know, dictate how, how and when they want to move. You can make them so much uncomfortable using their left hand. And so Kel right. Brooks, you know, his jab went away. And then after that, in the fourth round, you know, uh, they were exchanging. And so Kel Brook was trying to throw a hook or something. He was trying to throw something big. And then, you know, Terrence Crawford just threw a jab. He threw a power jab, stepped into it, and then he caught him with the right-hand power jab. And then it, it was a strong jab. It was like one of them Andre Ward, Kovalev jabs. And it hurt him. And after that, you know, there was there was really no recovery. You know, he he wasn't gonna recover from Nothing that. Nothing at you know, all. Said it again. Nothing at all. You know. Oh yeah. Crawford, pretty good finisher. You know, he he doesn't get too wild. It seemed like the big shots he throw, it looked like every one of them landed. So, um, following his fight, you know, Terrence Crawford did what he's supposed to do. But I just I don't. Terrence Crawford is not the pound-for-pound number one fighter. Uh, Let me say this, because you know you got a compliment sandwich. I respect that he's faced a little adversity. He, after facing that adversity, made the proper uh, adjustment, and then after that proper adjustment, he took over the fight. You know, that is the mark of a champion. However, you can take bits and pieces from fights, and you can see what gives a fighter fits. So from the right-hand stance, I, I will say this may be different if he does come out in the southpaw, but a person with an intelligent jab, we can see, can hit him all day and will give him trouble, him being Terrence Crawford. If he fight people who's just as athletic, who can hit him and hurt him just as much as he can, the getting hit clean, the getting hit way too clean, ain't going to be something that he's going to have a luxury to do. He need to show up his defense, number one. Number two, get his damn head off the line. He, he stay on the line too much. I'm a lowly, yeah. uh, you know, a lowly boxing-watching person. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I, I don't I, – people are be like, Who, what do you know? But all I'm saying is I can observe. You know, I can observe and make intelligent uh, decisions based off of what I see. And what I see is when Terrence Crawford throws his punches, he doesn't move his head off the line, which is why he gets hit with clean stuff a lot. Fighting an Errol Spence, fighting even a Sean Porter, fighting even a Danny Garcia, that would, that would, he would pay for that. He would pay for that. He might beat a couple of those guys, but he would definitely pay for it. I think he would beat Keith Thurman, but 
I just even Keith Thurman would hit him if his head was on the line like that. Yeah. Yeah, that but I, that's I what I say with Keith Thurman, Keith Thurman kind of like um he he more tries to, you know, fight off his back foot, so he relies on the jab a lot. And against like a pressure fighter like a like a uh Terrence Crawford is, like all all uh Keith Thurman has to do is keep his distance and he'll still be able to score well with his shots with his jab. You know, it's not like um you know, uh, like you said, Terrence Crawford uh, moves his head or moves his body off the line. So unless Crawford has some type of, you know, side-to-side movement, then Thurman could be, you know, Thurman would be able to time him. Oh, yeah. So I just don't the, – the number one pound-for-pound claim, like, I get it. People say, like, Tim Bradley tried to justify it and say, you know, you got this up echelon of people, and from there you base it off the eye test. I hear you, Timmy. Nah. Like, okay, yes, to some extent you do base it off the eye test. However, the reason why I know Canelo would do well or or be very competitive against a Jermall Charlo is because his steel has been strengthened by fire. Even in losing to Floyd Mayweather, Canelo never stopped winning. I can tell he has a very strong will. The man got some really big forearms. You know he hit hard. He has a strong will, and over the years, his IQ has steadily increased to where he's probably one of the smarter guys to use what he has in the ring to be the person. Right. I just I can't say we can give that same accolade to Terrence Crawford. Because, okay, yes, he changed up. He made he made the adjustment by switching hands. Um. Uh, okay, let me let me not downplay it because, I mean, that is what caused him to get the knockout by him switching up. But but let's just say from the orthodox stance, he looked pretty lost. He looked like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, he looked pretty. Um. I was like, oh no. And I was thinking to myself, all right, but let's together. Like, I, I, I don't want you to lose. You know, I want you to win this fight. But, yeah, like, Kel Brook was definitely winning the exchanges. You don't see that problem with Canelo. Like, yes, he faces adversity, but. But even in and, the and exchanges yes, that Canelo has, especially nowadays, it seems like he expects something from his opponents. So, Either he's going to throw something back or he's going to roll off the punch. Yeah. You, there's you see that out of Canelo. Some, there's always some level of, of thinking in there. I just I just saw his face and saw his reaction, him being Terrence Crawford, and I don't think he knew what to do. Like, the only thing he knew to do was come in in that third round and just change his, his, his stance. That was the adjustment that did it. So, I mean, that, that's that. But, like, in-ring adjustment, you telling me he couldn't have did that when he saw what's his name kept peppering him? I'm not right. trying to take away from his man. I think he 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 had a very impressive win, and for him to knock him out with a jab, he's obviously strong and can hurt anybody. I'm just saying, let oh. before we crown somebody, yeah, before we crown you. somebody, let's let, let's see them earn it. And that's what they were saying about Errol Spence. Wait a second. 
no way you can definitely say that about Errol Smith. Terrence Crawford's best win, in my opinion, is Kell Brook. Um, Errol Spence has Kell Brook on there. He has a uh, Sean, I mean Sean Porter. He has um, person named. He's like the the low B, but um, what's the white guy name who who got knocked out by Pacquiao? Um, the nutritionist. Oh, I, I was I was gonna. I thought you were about to say like, uh, what is it like? Uh, not Phil O'Greco, but um, when he fought Chris Algieri, that was in twenty fifteen. You know. Oh, okay. But all I'm saying is, I, I think that what's his name? If I had to put a list. Of welterweights, Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao, Terrence Crawford, um, um, uh, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, and then Danny Garcia. I -hmm. can't put Terrence Crawford in front of Manny Pacquiao because Manny Pacquiao literally just beat Keith Thurman, who beat Sean Porter and uh, Errol, who beat Sean Porter and And, uh, Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia, yep. Manny, Manny Pacquiao, yes, is, is old, but Manny Pacquiao quietly could possibly be on the top of that list too. We we just saying Manny, we we just saying it's out the old M the new, but quietly is kept. Manny Pacquiao is the number two person. Like if we look at resume, Manny Pacquiao is the number one person. But let's just take what have you done for me lately? It's the high test and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Um, Arrow, Manny, uh, Crawford. Thurman, Porter, and then uh, Garcia. What you think? Yeah, that list that list could work. You know, um, you have Spence as the unified champion um, because he he beat Sean Porter. Sean Porter beat Danny Garcia for at the time the vacant WBC belt. Um, you know, Keith Thurman beat Porter and beat you know Danny Garcia. And Manny Pacquiao beat Keith Thurman. And Terrence Crawford doesn't have, you know, a, a win against, you know, any one of those guys. Like the, like if you go down the list of, you know, fighters in the welterweight division, you would have to go below the top, you know, 10 or 15 uh, in, you know, some uh, folks' rankings to find anyone that um, – that Terrence Crawford is beat, you know, um, and that can't, you know, that can't fly as far as like, you know, guys that he needs to go up and face. Like you, you, you see guys like even uh, Jamal James is like ranked around the top ten, or Jesse Vargas or uh, Sergey Lipinets. You have Kowalowski's, but you know, after Kowalowski's. Who else is out there that, you know, they could say, um, you know, that Terrence Crawford can fight, you know? So if all of these other guys are fighting each other, then, I mean, shoot. Terrence is going to have to do something. And I I know that they're kind of like hinting at, oh, they're trying to see about having a fight over in the Middle East and having it against out depending on if uh, people are able to attend the event and whatever it is. I'm like, just go ahead and make the fight. That's all it takes. Like, it shouldn't be no reason that you have Errol Spence going up against Danny Garcia and 
at the time, before they even thought about having it over in Texas, they still made that fight. Crowd or no crowd, they still made that fight. So how is it that they're able to make a fight of this magnitude happen, but you're only getting Terrence Crawford to fight with Kell Brook? You know, that, that to me, that kind of like bothers me because that just means that either, one, you're not really out there trying to make those fights happen, or two, that you're, you know, kind of content with, you know, having these fights. And I think that there's there's some type of disconnect because, I mean, we've had Bomac on here, and Bomac, you know, is out here saying that he's, you know, the manager for Terrence Crawford. And, and I'm like, okay, so why aren't you, you know, making these fights happen? You know, of course he had, you know, or, or guy Matt on here saying, hey, how come we're not, you know, making these fights happen? Because those, these guys are out here. Like when, when, when Sean Porter says that, hey, I'm willing to let, you know, our, I guess our friendship, you know, go all to the side for one time for business. Let's get paid. Let's fight. Let's get paid. And Crawford's hinting like, oh, now is not the time for it. That the, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that goes because he's like, oh, if the time is right or if it makes sense, then, you know, we'll make the fight. So, and he was talking about how, you know, if they're able to make a fight between uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, then they should be able to make fights with Terrence Crawford and these other guys. I mean, there's some guys that, you know, that he fought that are, you know, advised by Al Heyman, like Amir Khan is advised by Al Heyman. So how is it you can get a fight with Amir Khan, but you can't get a fight with any of these other guys that are even top 10, like in the bottom half of the top 10? Like, I don't understand it. That's real. That's real. And, I mean, you can – like, the thing I don't like is it is so apparent that when you work for a network, you have to be pro – well, at least in some networks. When you work for a network, you have to be pro their fighter or else – there will be repercussions. We we will limit you on the air. And so you see that so much, and maybe they both believe it. I, I'm not going to say they don't believe it, but between um, Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley, they're, they're his friends as well, too. Not, not yeah. saying that has anything to do with anything. However, right. when when – when Andre Ward was in this exact position where his body of work spoke a lot higher than the next man who only had, you know, all the talent in the world. Like he didn't argue and say, I need to be number one because all of the true boxing fans knew Andre Ward is that dude. But now, yes, Terrence Crawford has all the talent in the world, but you can't crown him. The same thing he said to uh, Errol Spence, you can't crown him until Errol Spence fight the top dog. Well, that's odd. Errol Spence has fought quite a few top dogs. Show me the top dogs, um, you know, 
Terrence Crawford's fault. And and we're not ragging on Terrence Crawford to say he's not he don't have a stake to the to the throne, but out of them two, he has less of a stake. Like I hear people trying to push this right. narrative to say he's the number one pound for pound fighter. I get all that. I understand politics as usual. Shout out to Jay Z. But um yeah, I just he has less of a claim to the throne than then Keith Thurman. Yeah. I mean, even though, it's, Keith, even though Keith Thurman lost to Manny Pacquiao, what you said? No, nah, it was, it was like you've said in, in previous conversations with Terrence Crawford when it comes to like pound for pound thing. Cause like you, I mean, you were talking about his, his um, you know, reign at, at super lightweight, right? Like, how could, you know, people say that he had a great super lightweight run when Danny Garcia had a better run at super lightweight? You know? He just didn't collect with, all the uh, titles. Yeah. So. But he didn't have to because he beat he beat the people he should have beat. Right. You know, like guys like... uh. Dierry Jean and and Thomas Delorme and John Molina Jr. and Felix Diaz and and you know Julius and Dongo. Like how how could how could anyone like kind of say that that's a, a you know great run or something like that? Like I mean Felix Diaz, you know, in his following fight he he lost. Uh, he lost his next fight after fighting Terrence Crawford, you know? Uh, you had John Molina Jr., you know, who's, you know, he had uh, lost to, what was it? He lost to Matisse, Soto, and Broner before he even fighting Terrence Crawford. You know? Um, and he lost to... Yeah, he did beat Provodnikov before before his that fight was a good with Terrence Crawford. He boxed more. He boxed more. So I was I was happy to see him not go fist to cuffs. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry for but like, like the thing with uh like Jose Benavides Jr. here welterweight. He Benavides hasn't had a fight since. Like has not. <laughs> he is not. He has not had a fight since that Terrence Crawford fight. Like, wasn't that the one whose leg was messed up? Yeah. I, yep. I understand why he hadn't had a fight. Probably time to put him up. If you if if you got knee problems, it's over with. Which is why I think Andre Ward stopped his his career. Yeah. Is I mean he's had issues with uh, injuries himself, you know, over the course of his career, but. Like that's that's something to really deal with, but I mean, but it just goes to this thing with Terrence Crawford, and everybody's like, oh, um, we need to just have, you know, this fight between Terrence Crawford and 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 Errol Spence happen, you know, ASAP. But you know, it just remains to be seen. Like we gotta see, uh, here what happens with uh, you know, Errol Spence and Danny Garcia, and then after that, 
I just see Terrence Crawford going elsewhere, maybe against Pacquiao, but it remains to be seen. Uh, Eric Cole 415 is on live with us on the Boxing Source radio show. What's good? What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's uh, Jamil Patterson. I'm from uh, Francisco, California. Yeah, it's Camille and we back in the building. <laughs> is it Mills Lane in the building? It's Mills Lane. <laughs> What's going it's on, Mills brother? Lane. What's going on, Jay Mears? How's he both? <laughs> oh man, I've been doing well. I, I, I guess, man, just trying to make it make it out here in these times. Hey, I, I know that you were talking about the uh, you were talking about the fight uh, before the fight went down, and you seen what happened with Terrence Crawford, man. So, what's your thoughts on him? Ah, oh, man, you know, um, Terrence Crawford is is he's a special talent. You know he's a and in in this fight we saw what would happened if Terrence Crawford get tested, right? And, and we've actually saw it before. We, we we saw it in the last fight, but we we saw it, he's on. It, it's kind of like what um, Nazim Richardson said about Mayweather. Mm-hmm. He said he said when uh, Floyd was fighting Mosley, he said he said he thinks Floyd is going to get hard. Grow a tail and some wings and turn into a dragon. <laughs> and yeah. that's what happened to Terrence Crawford, man. You know, you know, because I, cause I thought uh, I actually thought Kel, I thought Kel Ezekiel Brook was outboxing him for right. about two rounds, and he's kind of getting surgical too, right? I, I, yep. I have to watch the fight again, but he was getting surgical, man. He started swelling that eye. I mean, by the Third round, man, I was swole. Right? Yeah, he had a little yeah, welt on that eye. Yeah, it, it is. And then I think um I think Kel she, I think Kel Brook came in there to take uh Terrence Crawford to deep waters. Right? And I thought he started he started getting surgical and I, and I, and I think he had a plan for Terrence Crawford. But here's the thing though, I think Terrence Crawford he has a gift, so he had a plan too, and he makes adjustments. Andre Ward kind of caught it. He, he said, "He said Kel Brook never really has a plan B. He has great plan A's, right?" And, and Terrence Crawford's always been able to make adjustments. And I think right. Terrence Crawford made the adjustment. He he made it fast, and he kind of made it. He actually made it in the second round, right? You know, if you could look at it, he was trying to find a place for that right when he was with Southpaw, right? True that. And he started doing he started doing that in the second round. And see, Terrence Crawford, he's like he's an assassin, so he's somebody that sees his punch ahead of time, and then mm-hmm. he just you know he sets it up to the point to where when he pulls that trigger. You don't see the punch, <laughs> right? So, so you know, this, this, this fight to me boils down to who got there first. I think, I think, uh, Kel Brook had a plan to land a nice right hand on, on Terrence Crawford right. coming in, and but Terrence Crawford planned to land his right hand, and he got his off first, and he saw it, and Kel Brook didn't see it. But I think, but I think Terrence Crawford saw it in the second round. 
and executed it in the fourth. And he uh, he has that gift um, to to see to see how to land his power punch, you know, early on in the fight and to set it up. And and it's a very dangerous right. thing because fighters don't see it coming. Yeah, they don't. So it was, it, 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 yeah, yeah. They don't. So it, it was, it was, a, you know, and people really realized what they saw, man. It, it was a special thing, um, what he gave us, you know, because I think Kel Brook came to fight, man. And he came to, you know, he 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 uh, would have took a, a lesser fighter to deep waters. Yeah, I feel you. I uh, got like another caller in here from the 202 area code checking in. What's going on, y'all? The Boxing Source Radio Show Live. What's up, Mr. J.R. Bell? What up, what up? What's good, man? <laughs> What's up, champ? Myron Lyles of Boxing Logics United. What's good with you? Peace and pugilism, brother. What's happening? Peace and pugilism. I just came to call in on the show. See, you got a popping on in here. Yeah, man, just talking about this fight here with Terrence Crawford. Uh, yeah, Kel Brook kind of, you know, gave himself a little effort with, you know, timing Crawford with the jabs, uh, kind of like mix things up a little bit. Um, I felt like initially that Terrence Crawford was just waiting to see what uh, Kel Brook was going to do yeah. and then respond to it, you know. But then once he responded to it early in those first couple rounds, Kel Brook threw, you know, some stuff back. So that's how, you know, Brooke was able to get that early lead. But I just felt like, you know, once Terrence Crawford was going to start biting down and and start to just throw punches with any type of intentions, that it was going to be it for Kel Brooke. And it didn't even take but the first punch that Crawford threw with any type of intentions to, for Kel Brooke to just, you know, he almost cowered like, like you see, like the was, first punch, he was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And it was a punch he didn't even he didn't even get full extension on. It was like amazing. I I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, because he yeah he, didn't he had that really lead good. right, and and he just I was looking at the foot positioning too. He was like Crawford was like having his uh, foot on the outside of Phil Brook, so that once. You know, Kel Brook, if he committed himself, then if Crawford was first to the punch, he could just step in, uh-huh. out, and then he could step aside if he needed to. But he didn't even really need to because the force off that punch made Kel Brook back up. And that was pretty much it. Right. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I think um, – I think the uh, – my apologies – the ability yep. of um, uh, Crawford, um, you know what I've noticed that Crawford does is one I called you really to really um, call you to really share. Crawford, when he goes to southpaw stance, he always does well with going around your jab. He's now been using this thing. I've seen him use it against Kovalaskis. He's using it against everybody. He will go right around your jab with his a five inch reach advantage that he had is I mean like it's impossible. And then, then when he goes southpaw, I right, that's a power jab. Yeah, it's not, it's not a weak joint. So when he waits for you to go and extend 
with your jab, he's coming around with a power, power jab that's just like crushing. And he, now he's got more solid as he get older and more I mean, to the weight division. That fucking would hurt. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and he, he just came in there with the intent of, like, just do the trying to go through his opponent with this punch. You know? Yeah. Uh, he just punched. Kale, like, he did not see it coming. I mean, the thing is, Kale, it came from Kale's short side. You know what I mean? With his jab. So his face is already there because Kale's in the orthodox, in the orthodox position. Mm-hmm. His face is already there. He just ran slamming to that shit. And you know what? That was his left eye. Wasn't that the first one to get cracked or something? Yep. The second one? I don't know, man. Maybe Kel have good sight like he used to. I ain't making no excuse. But he didn't or, you know, he just didn't expect it. It wasn't much. Like you said, Kale You know, mm. and like it has to be. And the thing is, People saying the funny thing, people, so many people saying, well, it's, it's been beat to crap, beat to this and beat to that. I'm like, when? In what fight? Before that was Carol getting beat to crap with only two losses. So people just now, you know what? And this says, this is the fans everywhere around the world are saying because the UK guys are just ruling like they're reaming them like shit. You know what I mean? They ain't even stand behind the dude. Because you know why? He failed against an American. And they weird and they're funny about that shit. Remember when fuck Anthony Joshua lost Andrew Ruiz? How they just about to shit on him? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Dude. You see like, you see you them like try to try to uh just not even claim him, you know, at all. Like, see, like, he ain't from the country or nothing like that. I remember that joint. You know, in here, I guess. Yeah, what, yeah, you got about, the mic. Yeah, the jab. Excuse me, I'm uh, eating, fella, so I'm, I'm trying to, like, put the food on one side of my mouth while I talk. Um, <laughs> but, so... The reason why he didn't, in my opinion, didn't see that jab coming from the softball stance is because up until that point, the look Terrence Crawford was giving him was from the orthodox stance. And so he was so used to, you know, the step in, the jab, and then the angle from that orthodox stance. And so when Terrence Crawford threw that jab from that softball stance, it wasn't a look that, um, you know, the muscle memory that um, – you know, Kel Brook had of, of how entrance of, of Terrence Crawford was repetitively uh, coming in or whatever. So, yeah, exactly. He didn't see it because he, he didn't, you know, get acclimated to it. So it literally was like, what, where did this come from? And then it was a straight, you know, really short punch, point A to point B, when Kel Brook was trying to throw something heavier from the outside. He, he didn't see it because he didn't, he didn't see that look. So it was a great adjustment. Yeah, it was a good adjustment there. Um you know, by by Crawford. Uh I, I just think that, you know, it yeah, it was to me it was just something about, you know, him getting a foot position because I thought he was gonna 
I thought he was going to try to catch Kell Brook with a punch and, and have it to where, you know, their foot would tangle up or anything like that so that, you know, he would kind of like, Brook would kind of either like trip forward or something like that. But it was something where he just got caught before throwing his, you know, jab on the inside and, and Crawford just went around that and just said, bow with the right hand. And that just, you know, really got to Kell Brook. And, you know, Kell Brook not being able to just stand there and take that punch just showed me a lot. Uh, showed me that he he was not really ready for um, a fight of that magnitude because you're going to have to take some of those shots uh, there against the Crawford or, any, or anyone of that level uh, if you wish to compete at that top level. Um, so there, I, I just felt like after that, and then, you know, Crawford just followed up after, you know, a knockdown and it wasn't like, you know, uh, Kell Brook was knocked down or anything like that. So after the first count, you know, Crawford just went in and just threw a couple punches and then Tony Weeks just stepped in and said, oh, that's a wrap. This fight's over. I was like, I mean, come on, man. Tony Weeks saved him when he was stuck on them ropes because if he would have got hit a few more times, yeah. then it would have been over. He would have got knocked out while he was leaning on them ropes. So Tony Weeks saved him to give him more opportunity at that point. Yeah, off that first you know one, yeah. About? Yeah, the first one. If, if he would have got hit clean because he was literally defensive. Yeah, he was like he in got the ropes. Saved in that one. Yeah, he was like under the ropes there, yeah. Oh, hey, 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 uh, Jamil, you, you still on? Uh, what, what you think of that first knockdown? Say it again. Uh, when you saw the first knockdown, uh, that was scored by Crawford over Brooke, like, what did you see off that? Um, I think it was a, it was a punch that, uh, Brooke did to see, right? And those are always the most powerful punches. So I think Brooke was out on his feet then. But I think to your point, you know, even even after he had a standing eight count, he still had no get back. I mean, he he didn't think to hold or anything. Right. Right. You know, because cause I would say Mayweather got caught with maybe a harder punch by Mosley. And you, you, you saw how Mayweather responded. He didn't even go down. Yeah. Right. And I think I think Floyd is basically out on his feet too. But then you know, he, he had better some survival techniques. So that you know, that's something to kind of notice with Brooks, man. You know, he really don't um he don't have the survival techniques 'cause he he, he probably could have survived if he would have tied Crawford up. Bought himself some time to get his legs under his feet. Yeah. But, you know, uh, to me, so with that I agree with you 3,000%. The one thing I want to point out that we need to speak to uh, Floyd Mayweather's giftedness is that the difference between, let's say, like a Floyd Mayweather and name any other random fighter, I don't know, whoever, let's put another fighter, whoever, is that I'm almost positive from the way that Floyd Mayweather responded from getting hit by that uh, Shane Mosley punch you can tell that they practice uh, situational things like that. What do you do when you get hurt? 
maybe they even spin him around, he get real dizzy, and how do you survive? That stuff like that is the difference between, you know, an Andre Ward and uh, Andre Berto. I don't know. But, like, the difference is you can tell Floyd Mayweather practice those things like that. What do you do when you're hurt? What's the muscle memory behind that? Kel Brooks don't practice that. If I just had to say, if I had to go off on a limb, I can tell he doesn't, he's never, not very many times practiced that. Even Agent Broner. Well, Agent Broner might practice that because he's used to, like, surviving. But, um, yeah. What's y'all say That's the difference between uh, the best and the best. (laughs) Exactly. Right, I mean, you know, uh, Zab Judy needs to practice that. When he's doing a stanky leg against uh, Kazuzu, right? So you know, I think um, you know that, but that's that, that, that's what you call being cagey, right? I think I think Bernard is good at that and just being able to survive, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, but I'm just saying it's a learned behavior. It ain't it ain't like a an internal instinct. I think they practice that. They practice hours of that. If I'm in this situation, if I'm in the the uh, two minute drill, I know how to throw quick passes to the sideline. If I need a right. hail mary and then do the statue of liberty or whatever like that, I can do it because I've been practicing it. You know. Well, it's, 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 it's being cagey though, because because a lot of guys don't even know how to hold when they get hurt, right? Right. And they get totally lost, and 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 to be able to buy themselves some time, so. I totally agree, but I think that's also. I mean, you know, I kind of wonder if Roy Jones knew how to do it. You know, I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> Roy Jones. He, I mean, because oh, oh, Roy yeah. Jones oh, got oh, cracked yeah. the first time he got cracked. You know, he he didn't get back up. <laughs> you know, uh, against against Tarver. You know, so. But I, I think that's the difference between, you know, certain champions who are on a different level. True. And why certain yeah. guys are hard to beat. True. Yeah, uh, yeah. the thing with, like, Roy Jones, Roy Jones, when he gets hit, he basically has, like, he just puts his hands up. And you, you kind of, like, seen it also with, uh, to a level with Deontay Wilder. Like, he didn't really know how to adjust to being hit with a serious punch like that against the Tyson Fury. All he did was just, you know, put his hands up and that, that can't work. Um, you know, with someone of you know, that level. You know, so Hey, hey, I got a rebut on that. I mean not not on the Tyson you're you're absolutely right on that one. However, he showed me something that first match when he fought against uh Luis Ortiz to where he bought himself time. It just it looks like he, he's been regressing. Like, if I had to be honestly and truthful, it looks like he's been regressing because he, he really, truly stopped using his jab as much. Um, like, that first fight with Luis Ortiz, when he got hurt, I was so proud of him because he, he endured. He did what he needed to do to get, get out the round, you know, with a, with a killer like Ortiz. And, I mean, he did that. Obviously, um, Tyson Fury is a different story here. However, it's just like you said. Now he just put his hands up. He he don't jab as much. It's just a lot of things that you hope he go back to the basics. I hope he go back to the basics. 
Right. I think yeah. I think uh, 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 Shane Mullery is another one that knows how to survive in there too. He was he was actually doing it against Floyd himself, but um, yeah, he was at one point at the like round <laughs> ninth, tenth round or something. Like he was hurt, but he kind of like grabbed. He was grabbing and you know tying Floyd up. He, he stopped himself from getting dropped, you know, because he was close to going down in that fight too a couple of times. True uh, that. Yeah, but but um, you know, to the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder story, I think you know we we saw his progress. I think some of the issues with him and Mark Breland probably come in, probably come from him being in camp and Mark Breland trying to get him to improve, and Deontay Wilder not want to listen to him, right? So I think. A lot of his regression probably comes from not listening to Mark Breland. A lot of his progress probably came from, from Mark Breland, you know, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I mean, we've we seen we seen what Mark Breland was able to do, you know, as a amateur competitor and as a professional, and he wanted to duplicate that, you know, with uh, Deontay Wilder because he's seen the same, you know, dimensions in Deontay Wilder. Um, but, you know, over the course of time, it, it just came to the point where Wilder was just uh, more relying on, you know, using the right hand and that the right hand would bail you out. Um, but if, if there's a point where the right hand doesn't bail you out, you, you do need a plan B. And that's the thing is that you don't see Wilder out there uh, using a plan B, uh, so to speak, you know, kind of like fills him out on that. Um, but you know, back to the thing here with Terrence Crawford. Um, you know, a lot of people to talk about. Oh, he needs to fight Errol Spence immediately ASAP. It needs to be next. It needs to be the fight for 2021. And I'm like, are we sure that we want to have that fight next, or can we like just say that? Crawford needs to fight, you know, one of those other guys first. I say that he needs to fight Manny Pacquiao. You know, um, if you're going to have a fight of uh, the magnitude of what Spencer Crawford is going to be, I say it should be for the Undisputed Welterweight Championship. They want to go, some folks want to just go straight ahead for that particular fight. And, you know, like you were saying, Mike, like, Manny Pacquiao right now could be considered as the second best welterweight because he has that win over Keith Thurman. And you can't put someone like Crawford above Manny Pacquiao when he doesn't have a win of that level. So why can't Crawford fight either Manny Pacquiao or Keith Thurman? Um, I totally agree with you, man. You know, I mean, I, uh, I think I think there was too much room between them two anyway. <laughs> you know, you know, and I, I, I like like you know, boxing is theater, so there has to be a build up for the theater. Plus, uh, you know, I don't like Manny Pacquiao's ass anyway. You know, he's still <laughs> around. And he a legend. And, you know, it's like who is he? You know, like like he he cherry picks the most opportune fighter for him. You know, Keith Thurman hadn't fought in, in, in a while, and when he did fight, he didn't look that good. He got rocked by Jose Cito, right? You know, 
So, um, Pacquiao is still out there. I think, you know, take care of him. And what I would say is have an Errol Spence fight at the end of next year. We don't need to wait too long. Crawford is like 33, 32. Yeah, Crawford um, like three around 33 years old. And, and, and I think, um, you know, boxers got to get back to uh, – Getting people excited about fights and building it up again. I mean, like, like, like at least for Mayweather Pacquiao, it, it took six years to build up that fight. Well, actually, it didn't take six years to build it up. It was already, you know, the fight was built up, but it took six years to make it happen. Right. But they was they were still getting you excited for the fight. You know, uh, sometimes when Errol Spence Crawford. The way they tear into the fighters, man, they they be kind of turning people away from the fight. You know, some people say, "Oh, Terrence ain't Terrence isn't a, isn't a legitimate welterweight." Errol uh, Smith ain't that good. He couldn't even knock out Mikey Garcia, right? So, you know, you, I don't think you ever really had this before, to where boxing media was tearing down his his jewels like that, right? I think you know because he. People kind of laid in the Floyd a little bit uh, when it came to him and Manny Pacquiao, but they they wasn't just tearing down both of the fighters, right? On both sides. So, so we you know we all got to get people excited, you know, for this for, for this rubble in the jungle. <laughs> Errol Smith yeah. not knocking out uh, Garcia was a choice though. He he, you can visibly see his game plan was to box him and show that he was a better boxer. So I think there has to be a caveat on that. Well, there is that in kind of there's kind of like this uh, thing here with um, fighters that if you're like a, a huge underdog in a fight and a lot of people don't expect you to win. And after about a few rounds, you kind of like see that you really don't have an option where you can win that you try to just get through the fight and get through the 10 rounds or the 8 rounds or the 12 rounds and not get yourself knocked out. And you've kind of seen that in Mikey Garcia in the fight against Earl Spence. And, you know, some people feel like um, you you saw that example with your Yorkers Gambo against Devin Haney. Uh, but at least in the Mikey Garcia fight, it kind of like seemed like Mikey was just there to not get himself knocked out. Um, but you kind of seen the different, you see different levels of Errol Spence in, you know, fights like against uh, Sean Porter or against Lamont Peterson, you know, or what well, I would say, Chris Van Heerden, uh, like you said, uh, you know, also yeah, with Kel Brook, um, and also Chris Algieri, you know. So you kind of see different different uh, uh, elements there to uh, Errol Spence Jr. Um, in his fights against these opponents. So, like, shoot, he, he took out Carlos Acampo in, like, one round, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it didn't take him long at all for, you know, for him to have that uh, – you know, fight happen and just get that guy out of there, you know? So uh, with that being said, it, it kind of like gives some intrigue as to how he's going to treat this fight against Danny Garcia on December 5th. 
uh, because like some people feel like Danny Garcia is a live dog uh, in this particular fight, you know. I think he is a live dog, uh, but but even but even back to Mikey Garcia fight, I think I think uh, uh, Errol Spence when he when he wanted to, when he decided to knock him out, it was too late. <clears throat> And, yeah. and Mikey was already in survival mode. You know, you got you got to realize he's a champion too, and know how to survive and it's crafty. But getting to the other Garcia, the the, uh, the uh, Puerto Rican Garcia, uh, he's a champion. at the welterweight division, right? He's right. never been knocked down. He's never been knocked down. He's, he's he's extremely hard to beat, even with his two losses. You know that those were uh, those were against other champions, and um, he chose this fight against Errol Spence, right? So it's like, what does he see? And he's got a nice, you know, boxing background as well. So you know, in, in one of his power punches is that left hook, and a, a, a left hook is an antidote against a southpaw. So, yeah. You know, it, it'd be interesting just, you know, and, and then we need to see how uh, Errol responds after coming after that, you know, you know, you know, is, is Errol the, the uh, bionic man, you know, after surviving that accident, man, we, we need to see how he responds in the ring. Um, so, it's, you know, I think this is going to be a great fight, however it goes. Errol definitely can't underestimate uh, Danny Garcia. You know, Danny Garcia is not even Kell Brook. Uh, you know, he, right. he don't have the damage Kell Brook had coming into this fight. Right. And he's never been dropped. You know, Kell Brook has been knocked down a couple times. So, you know, there's some intangibles. Yep, definitely intangibles in this fight coming up on December 5th, uh, you know, right there. And, you know, it's kind of um, – you know, like I said, it, it's it's not as clear cut as you know some may think uh, with that fight uh, with Errol Spence and Danny Garcia. I think that you got to see how uh, Errol Spence is able to deal with uh, fighting on the inside with someone that has those uh, you know power shots like Danny Garcia does. Uh, got area code eight one three in joining us on the Boston Source Radio Show Live. What's happening? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Trill calling in, checking in to uh, and just uh, to another eagerly anticipated show. Uh, real quick, I was listening to the podcast earlier via YouTube. I had, just had the TV logged into it, and I was saying that Mike Ray was. I saw Mike Ray. He's saying that uh, Terrence Crawford is not number one pound for pound at this point, even after tonight's performance. And before I digest that, uh, even this week, Jay, you said you said you said you just kind of felt funny about this fight. And I, I kind of got that same air too, right? Uh, it's, it's not a big crossover fight as far as big for casual fans, but definitely uh, something that we as hardcore people definitely was uh, and anticipating and interested in seeing at this point. Yeah. But it's, it's like when you when you look at that, uh, we know that Errol Spence, uh, I'm, I'm not used to not Spence, but uh, Brooke came here, travel and took the Porter, the Tyson Porter, what was that 2015, 2016, everything? Uh, we know we know the full strength and the point. Spence went overseas, traveled over there, broke his face, took his title, and so on, so on, so on. Jumped up to uh, – Brooke then jumped to 154. Pretty much didn't do anything up there. Uh, had 
I had a one win. I think Zapata, whoever it was, that should have been Rip. lost. But but in, but in, in essence, didn't do anything at 154. And of course, uh, COVID took over. Uh, fast forward, Brooke Crawford, and we saw what happened last night. And honestly, I <laughs> I, I, I gave it a big wow because I didn't expect that. You see what I'm saying? I thought this was going to be a highly competitive chess match, uh, speed, power punches uh, thrown in there when they can. This was the type of fight where you just you don't just come out just throwing what, everything you got. You don't do that against a high-level opponent. Uh, is Brooks shot? No, I don't think he's shot at this point. I, I don't think that. That's even, even the question posed to Crawford last night, uh, they, they basically tried to uh, get him to compare, uh, well, is your win better than Spence? And humbly, I'm glad he's very humble. He said, you know what, you really can't compare it to because so-and-so has come up a loss and things like that and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so like that. So he was very humble and responsible for that. Who they did too? Well, yeah, they, they, they asked Crawford last night, was this win over Brooke better than Spence's win over Brooke? And quite humbly, he said, you know, you can't compare it to it. Different circumstances, different situations and things like that. But the thing about it, is Brooke shot? No, he's not shot. He's not shot. And but do I think he's pound for pound after last night? I, I'm I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Uh, we know that Canelo's been inactive for a while. A lot of other uh, independent lists have had Loma Chico at the top for a while. That's done. We know that. So the top pound for pound right now is Crawford, Canelo, and I guess you would say in anyway or whatever something like that. In 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 that in uh in that order from that, that point. But I didn't expect that last night, a fourth-round knockout. And what's funny about that is when he, he, he threw that, that that right hook or whatever that was, it wasn't a total wind-back boom like you would typically see from a big punch, right? You you, you don't necessarily see that. But obvious power, we, we know that with 27 KOs, whatever it is at this point. And the thing about that, it gives a top-tier opponent, right? Like I said, Brooke is not shot. And and in this and I'm sure we'll get to the Bob Aaron segment. That's the one. I, that's what I'm looking forward to. But but just back to the victory. It's, it's a great victory. And uh, to me, he's probably found the best fighter in the game right now. Canelo's right there behind him. Uh, hopefully, we can get to see uh, him this year. We we will see. But I mean, other than that, these uh, just looking at the reaction from other fighters and stuff like that. Uh, you have to be awed. I mean, probably. You know uh, what? What is the Spence camp saying privately? Damn, <laughs> he's serious. He's serious. He 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 talks talk and walks the walk. That's what they have to be probably saying. But of course, Spence has to concentrate on Garcia uh, and watch out for that left hook. Uh, and even in in just a with that fight coming up, Spence uh, Garcia. It's not it's not a cakewalk for Spence. It's n- not at all. Garcia has only lost to Thurman. And uh, Porter, top fighters in at 147, the top those top figureheads. So, and on top of that, Garcia is extremely hungry to get that glory back. And no better no better way to do that than to capitalize on the opportunity that's been presented before you, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be like as as usual. What the way is always on fire, lightweight's right there behind him, and of course so many different stories at, at heavyweight. So, there you go. So Canelo ain't number one because he had knocked. Uh, nobody else out. That's that's what well, you're saying, Well, well, I'm looking at the fact that Crawford just beat a top tier welterweight and knocked him out. <laughs> knocked him silly. Now and and now, now and, and Canelo's right there is right there behind Crawford because I admire the fact that he went up to 175, 
beat a Kovalev, came back down, competed at once. He, he had a minor title at 168, and but in a, but he, he's right there behind Crawford. He's right there behind Crawford. I mean, he's, you can argue that Canelo's better, and he's a cast out of boxing. We we know that. Uh, you can even if you want to give him the edge just for that. I, I, I can really argue against that. He's a cash card boxer right now. Uh, but for, for X-Files, in the ring performance, that's Crawford. Switch hitter, adjust, power. We see power. That's typically at this, at this point with the top uh, the top of a class, division, you really don't see too many knockouts at this point unless someone makes a, a critical mistake or something like that. Or if someone Kinda like can how actually... uh, knock the same guy out. But he's not getting pound-for-pound pound accolades. Even though his resume is better, I think uh, 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 Errol Smith just caught Kell Brook at the wrong time. He caught him right after the after DDG damage him. And when Terrence Crawford fought him, Kell Brook had kind of been a little more, um, you know, he had kind of recovered a little better, right? You know, he had three fights, one at one fifty, one one fifty five. But then, if you look at what Crawford did to uh, Kell Brook. He kind of GGG Kell Brook. <laughs> he kind of, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think but, Kell Brook responded better to GGG's power than he did uh, Terrence Crawford. He didn't react like that to GGG when GGG hit him. <laughs> you know, he just yeah. killed the car when he didn't know what he got hit with. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. He yeah, really beat him in four rounds. Because they know um, with 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 Brooke though, like Brooke had, he knew that he was going to face Errol Spence in 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 2016. So it was like, from a business perspective, if he fought, you know, Errol Spence, knowing that he was going to lose, then that could have been it for him as far as like getting a, you know, a, a higher profile fight. You know, not looking ahead to what he's had against Terrence Crawford. So that opportunity to fight Gennady Golovkin was there. He was going to, you know, take it and take it quickly. So after that happened, he's like, you know what? I could go ahead and fight Earl Smith now. I've already got my money fighting Golovkin over in the O2 arena. But if he never fought Golovkin and just fought Earl Smith straight up, like, who knows how that fight would have turned out, but I think that Spence would have still been able to beat him. And after he beats him, then what else is out there for Kell Brook? It's like he's not really – he wasn't really an attractive fighter to begin with. You know, he didn't have the following like a – you know, like the Amir Khan, like Amir Khan did. And he was basically chasing Amir Khan, you know, even while, you know, winning that title against Sean Porter. So – after that, he was fighting JoJo Dan and Frank Gavin and Kevin Bizier. Like, who are those guys? Like, just be being honest, like, who are those guys? So, him going up against Gennady Golovkin, that was an opportunity for him to make some good money before going up against uh, Errol Spence. And, and I guess, you know, just giving up that IVF title. And then after that, he, you know, took a little while off and then moved up to 154 and had fights in 154 before fighting Terrence Crawford. So he goes up to 154, then comes down to 147 uh, to have this fight with Terrence Crawford. And I just felt like 
his punch resistance was just non-existent uh, against Terrence Crawford. Like to have that one punch go through that right hand lead, and you just back back up and buckle and have your legs buckle, and then you know going to the ropes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I'm I, like, come on, man. And real quick, just to interject real quick, so upon whenever Brooke does fight again, if he gives a poor wretched performance, then we'll know he's shot. And then at that point, we'll be able to say, you know what, it's not the same Brooke. He's, he's, he's shot. But right now, I do give uh, Crawford credit. But like I said, um, Brooke's next fight, he comes out, gets knocked out again, he's shot. And for that point, that would take away some of the, uh, the quality win of uh, Crawford's uh, resume, which we already know is lacking. We know, we know that. We know that. That's yeah. been a story. And still a story. I don't right like now. with I don't see. I don't see Kell Brook at 147. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't either. But I don't like when people do that. You know, um, this, this is still a good win for Crawford. He, he fought a great Kell Brook who came in this fight ready, well rested. Um, I think if he shot, he shot because he been knocked out three times. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, but we 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 don't have to stop, um, you know, uh, taking credit away from fighters and looking back. Oh, he wouldn't really that good. These these guys, you know, Kell Brook is a champion, right? So you know, it, 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 it was a quality win for uh, for Crawford. I, I just mm-hmm. think uh, I think more of the way what Jay Mans was saying earlier. Is that uh, Kell Brook's resistance and, and and being able to survive? You know, you know, he, he just he, he he never really pretty much had that too much. I mean, I, mm. I think I seen him hurt against Carson. Um, what's his name? Carson Jones. And he kind of responded well, but but never hurt like that. You know, so right. Do y'all think he saw too much that got landed? By Crawford. Say that again, brother. Do y'all think that he saw the jab that landed by Crawford? Uh, I don't think it was a jab. It was sort of like a jab and a check hook. And now he didn't see it because cause I, I did watch the fight twice, right? And I think in a strange way that the, the, the replay doesn't do it justice because when you watch it straight on, you can see it catches Kell Brook and pops his head right back. And he runs right into it. Exactly. So it, it's, uh, and Brooks said himself it, after the fight, it's the punch I didn't see that he said that. He actually said that. Yeah, he, he, he didn't see that. And, and then those punches hurt you the worst. Which is the point I was going to make that I'm not taking away from Terrence Crawford's power because to be able to do that with the jab, the same way. Jamal uh, Charlo or Jamal Charlo, whichever one did it as well, is very admirable. But I think what's the name didn't see the punch, which is why I hurt him so bad because he didn't see it. Yeah, well, but, but, uh, uh, and I'm going to stop talking, but, but uh, um, um, Terrence Crawford is an assassin. So, he, you know, Holyfield had a way of doing that too a little bit. He just necessarily wouldn't hurt you, but the Terrence Crawford sees the mistakes in the fighter, maybe a round or two ahead. 
and then he capitalizes on it at the right time when the fighter is not really in, in the best position to respond. Like, and he does this consistently, mm. right? You know, throughout throughout his fights, just just pay attention to it. So sometimes he just he'll smile when he starts smiling at a fighter, and especially when he turns into southpaw, it's because he saw what he needs to see. So now it's just working his way there, right? You you uh, got to give Crawford credit for being an assassin and setting it up because, like Jay May said earlier. You know, when he was putting that right foot on the outside, he had started doing that when he first switched to southpaw and, and trying to find where he can get the most leverage on that right end. And by the fourth round, it was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, yeah, that's the thing that we're we're seeing with um, you know, what's going on in. Yeah, I was just um, you know, just looking at how, you know, Crawford here is um how he's viewed. Um and did did anyone like hear about like what uh Bob Aaron was saying like after the fight? Like that um <laughs> Well, this is off of I guess it's off the athletic um like he said that Terrence Crawford's gotta he's gotta promote like Lopez does. He's gotta promote like Shakur does, like Mayweather did, like Pacquiao did. If he doesn't, then who the fuck needs him? He may be the greatest fighter in the world, but hey, I ain't going bankrupt promoting him. I was like, Oh man, see I didn't see that. Damn. See, but that that's kind of that's kind of something that I'm not surprised of, uh, you know, what Aram says because it is it's funny because he don't really say that about these other guys. He don't say that about Teofimo Lopez. He doesn't say he didn't say that about um, uh, Loma. Loma. He he didn't say that anywhere near Loma. He was talking about oh Lomachenko is. Like almost like Ali with the skill set, and he's best pound for pound, and he's this and he's that. But when it comes to Terrence Crawford, oh no, he doesn't do that. He's doing that now after Lomachenko lost. When Lomachenko was fighting these guys in extenuating circumstances, Bob Aaron wasn't talking like that. No, 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 no. Well, you know, I think, I think the. Uh... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, uh, I'll say contradiction in that, right? Is that <laughs> you're the, you're the promoter? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you, 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 work, you work for the fighter. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be promoting for the fighter? Aren't you supposed to be, you know, instigating and and, and, and pumping them up, right? You know, that's your job, right? The fighter supposed yeah. to just train and. You know, work hard and coming in and look good on fight night, right? I mean, I mean, right. a fighter has some responsibility to promote itself, but that's the actual job of the promoter. And I think if you look at Terrence Crawford, I was saying this to myself: um, you have to know the kind of fighter and the personality of the guy that you're dealing with, right? And, and actually, you know, and, and this is what they do for other fighters, like Loma. You know, because Loma is his English barrier. But they, they 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 put him in a position 
to market him well. So, like, with Terrence, you know, they should be running with him and his trainer. His trainer is like an added personality. He got more personality than Terrence. Uh, Bo Mack. Yeah, Bo Mack. But it seems, it seems like they tell him to be quiet or something, right? And, and Terrence responds well when he has uh, when he has a, a, a partner. I'm like, like Terrence, Terrence would need a fighter that's going to talk shit for him to talk shit. Right? Other than that, he ain't going to be doing too much talking. Right. You know, but, but Terrence, Terrence reacts, though, when, you know. So he, I think that the promoter has to set these scenarios up, you know. And, you know, another thing, too, is I was looking at how um, Max Kellerman, some of the questions he was asking pre-fight, I'm like, man, it was terrible. You know, it's like I think that the media, it's the job of the media to get us excited for the fights. Yeah. And this is your job, right? And hey, I think they're starting to lose track of doing that. You know, you know, today, boxing media is more into this Deontay Wilder stuff. You know, Fury uh, cheated and, and he's spiking my water. They think it's a controversy more than the fear of the fight. So, and then Bob is old, so he ain't used to getting out there talking and promoting like Don King's old, too. You know, the, the only one that, that, that kind of has that spirit is uh, Floyd Mayweather. You know, if, if, if Floyd Mayweather was Crawford's promoter, it would have been more of an attraction for this fight. Way more. You know, because the boy is going to – but, uh, but I'll go ahead, y'all. Go ahead. <laughs> let, me, let me go and jump in here real quick because this is the part of the show I've been waiting on, and this is something that we've been talking about back and forth for uh, quite some time in regards to Crawford's career, his selection, uh, his, his, his whole deal, his whole dealing with top rank. So let me right. ask you guys a question. So as, as a post-fight interview – we got Crawford and Aaron right there, front and center, right? And they, right. they, they did post a question to Mike, uh, to Bob Aaron in regards to Crawford's career, what's next time, things like that. What do you guys think was actually going through Crawford's mind as he's sitting there listening to Bob, Bob Aaron feed us all that horse shit, right? And, and, and think about it. In past shows that we had on this podcast, right, how many times have we said at some point in time the fighter needs to go to his promoter and demand some, some 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 good fights be set up for him instead of all yep. these things that um, what we have at this point, which uh, it was amounts to uh, in in a sense a mediocre resume. There's no way in the world that Cross should be having a 39th fight and and still we look still questioning his best win at this point. That shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the case. I mean, Aram just sitting there. Oh, rah, rah, I, I'm Jack. I can't make his voice like he do. <laughs> but it was, it was just horseshit. Uh, Saying that there was a, a, a packed out fight that was on the horizon, things didn't work out because the numbers didn't work out because there was, wasn't going to be a live gate. Well, this is not the first time because Crawford wanted to fight Pacquiao back in 2015, 2016. 2015, and yeah. yeah. And that didn't come to fruition. And, and Crawford was set and ready to fight him. Pacquiao didn't have a date at that point, and yet it didn't happen. Didn't happen. And at that point, and we, and we already know about the PBC top rank, but even in recent years, we looked at Fury 1, Fury Wilder 1. They got together, did business. 
Fury Wilder too. They got together, did business. It happens. So everyone's going to get a big fight except for Crawford. Yep. That's crazy. You look, look at this. Let, let me say this. You got Crawford looking at the Charlos getting a pay-per-view before he did. He's looking at Tank Davis getting a pay-per-view before he did. <laughs> it, there, there's something wrong with that. When one of yeah. the junior fighters that came up after you've already been active, after you've already had a title, is getting, they're getting featured on a pay-per-view, and you have yet to even be, right. be, on, be on one of them. And, and I'm next to Crawford. He's, he's sitting there. He's just sitting there, nice, common clue. I mean, you, you guys know me. I'm usually real cool on here, but if I'm Crawford, like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I'm, I'm, that irked me so bad to see. He's just sitting there playing that nice little, nice little fighter. Yeah, yeah, baby. I know I said a bad word. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> but uh, he just sitting there, just nice, cool, and is and now Aaron Cinema Cinema again. Oh yeah, we're gonna get something going on with a, a foreign country. They win to get the money together. Dude, how many times have we heard this story? It's exhausting, and that's why I wish Crawford's contract was up now and leave his ass high and dry. It's, it's just ridiculous. I said I would, I would, with, I would just hold out. Mm-hmm. You know, get have yeah. something. You know, even if you have to take that risk of, of, of being held out, it's not like you have that many months left uh, on your deal. Like it's supposed to be over by uh, what is it, um, August of next year or something like that. Um, to you know, to the point where you could just say, you know what, I'm not gonna have any other fight until. We get something happening or get something shaking, and if not, then I'll just sit out. You know, that's it. You know, it says uh, that he's, uh, well, it's another 11 months that he's under contract, according to the athletic. And and just even think about that. So right now we got probably just fought November. So we got Danny Garcia, uh, uh, and Spence fighting here in December, so they're yep. they're going to be out, out, out of out of uh, pocket, out of commission till at least April, March, April, something like that. So we already know PBC and Top Rank is not going to get together by there. We know that that's just they're, they're proving that in regards to the welterweight division. So who else is out there? Keith Thurman, another PBC fighter, not going to happen. Who else is out there that we want to see him fight? That's in the top tier. I mean, that's really it's really Garcia, Spence, Thurman. Porter, so a Porter rematch. <laughs> yep, yep, a Porter. Well, I'm talking about for uh, I'm talking about for, for Crawford. Who can who, out, oh. who outside of those PBC guys can Crawford okay. fight that we want to see? Okay. PBC yeah. fighter. <laughs> PBC fighter. fighter too now. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I wanted to make a uh, uh, reply to your uh, comment though. So. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I heard you say is that all of the you put all the responsibility on Bob Arum, and I, I don't know if I can that if that sits well with me because let's look at it like fault versus responsibility. Okay, it ain't Terrence Crawford's fault that his promoter can't get him them big fights, but what is his responsibility then once he sees, which I'm almost sure he saw a long time ago. What's his responsibility at that point to ensure that 
that he does what he needs to do to, to stay relevant and get them big fights because he signed how many years ago? Two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah. And he he should have just signed with Floyd. You know, and then took the gamble, but it, it would have been big. You know, you got Box's biggest, next biggest star against Box's, with Box's previous biggest star. Two brothers, right? You know, you know Floyd, yeah. and, and then if, if Floyd would have got Crawford, you know, he, he would have put a lot into Crawford. Right, he he would have been there. He would have been on a telecast with him. Crawford, Bomack, and Floyd—they had been added to the theater of the fight. But he, what he did was he made the conventional choice to just go with the you know the more you know established promotional group, top rank, and not realizing you know Bob Arum is old now. You know, like because you know Bob Bob Arum did some selling yesterday too. When he said Terrence Crawford to beat uh, Errol Spence and, and, and Danny Garcia in one night, you know, so he can sell night. a fight in the same night. So so Bob can sell a fight when he wants to, but he old and he don't always get out there and do that, you know. Um, and, and you know, so so Terrence, yeah, Terrence should have just he should have made the bold move and signed with Floyd Mayweather. People wouldn't have liked it, but it, it would have had you. You would have got look look. Floyd Mayweather made an Ashley Teal pain and, and, and Adrian Broner fight have more uh, tension in it, right? You know, as far as the build up than the Kill Brook Terrence Crawford fight. Yeah. You know, I, I almost forgot they was fighting. Right? <laughs> you know, so, man, so you, you know, to, to your point, brother, uh, Crawford shouldn't have signed with Bob Aram. That is his fault. And you, you know, you uh, get what you pay for. Yeah, so. pretty much. And 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 now, with with this, um, you know, detail of his contract with Top Rank being public, now the keys are basically on PBC side. Because all they could say is, you know what, we don't really have to fight you right now, or we don't have to fight you before October of next year. We can just wait till your contract lapses, and then after that. It could be basically the same thing like we did with Manny Pacquiao. We let Manny Pacquiao have his one fight against Floyd Mayweather, but after that, once that contract lapsed, hey, we could have you for a couple fights. They were able to do that with the likes of Adrian Broner and Keith Thurman. So, if they could do that with Manny Pacquiao, they look like they're trying to plan that out for Terrence Crawford. Like, they'll, they have no issues waiting it out because they have the fighters that, you know, that can rotate and fight each other until Terrence Crawford has his contract up with Top Rank. So they could just say, hey, if you want to have another fight, you could go ahead and have another fight. Uh, we won't have anybody out there available for you. You could just go ahead and fight the Benavidez's of the world, the Kavalioskis's, or anybody like that. If you're going to get someone from us, we're going to give you somebody like, I don't know, maybe a Sergey Lipinets or something. That's pretty much it. But they're not going to say, hey, we're going to have you fight Sean Porter. No, they're not going to do that. They're not going to say you're Dennis. No, not even shoot. It could be a Jamal James. They'll probably say, hey, you could fight Jamal James. That's no problem. But if it comes to a Sean Porter or your Dennis Ugas, or Danny Garcia, or Errol Spence. Nope, they're not going to do that. Because what's the point of that when they could just say, hey, 
I could wait until he's done with top rank, snatch him up, and then make a fight, make the super fight, and we get all of the proceeds. That's what they're waiting on. Hey, hey, brothers, I, I got to go. It's been good. Uh, and um, let me know the next one, J-Mans. Oh, no no problem, man. We we got it going on every Sunday, man. So I'll let you know uh, next time we, we jumping off for the next show, man. Thanks for calling in. Definitely. Peace and hair grease. <laughs> uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man, Um, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> When they say, "Hey," in in and of course, you know when when uh, Crawford and Spence were going uh, back and forth with each other in 2018, you know they were going off that running joke that Bob Barham said that Al Heyman didn't exist. So, if you know Errol Spence said he had a plan, oh, I'm gonna face Mikey Garcia, uh, then I'm gonna face Sean Porter, and then I'm gonna face Manny Pacquiao. And then we could have something. Then they already knew. Like there was no, there wasn't no rush for Errol Spence to fight Terence Crawford because he could fight a whole bunch of other guys and make money and end up making more money than Terence Crawford. Like Terence Crawford, what got four million for this fight against Kell Brook last night? Four million. But Errol Spence, him going up against Danny. That's gonna be a guarantee of at least five or six million minimum. You know. And so even I, what I So four million he got last night, right? Yep. And and that and that and that's why I kinda of in that same sense why I acknowledge Canelo's greatness. Uh Brandon he got he he got us in a sense an overbloated deal with the zone, we know that. But still he got it. He got it. He's getting he that know. money. Thirty five million a a payday. And 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 that and that fact alone, you can put it. You can argue back him. Oh, he's the best best in the game right now, because he he performs in the ring. We know that he's only had one loss to Mayweather. We know that. But on top of that, he's bring he's putting asses in the seats, right? So yep. I mean, I can't wait to see the the viewership numbers from last night. But but uh, as we know, boxing is a business, and you do have to uh, acknowledge the por- the portion that. Uh, the, the amount of revenue a person brings to the sport. Because hell, even May, even Mayweather can come back in right now and, and fight some <laughs> uh, prep like he did with Japan and still make money, like and do do numbers that other people can't do in the sport right now, which is crazy. But uh, and when you look at Crawford, imagine if he would actually got a chance to fought Pacquiao back in 2016 and was and emerged victorious. Imagine if he would have Pacquiao's resume and let's say a Thurman or something like that. There would be no dispute on who the number one pop up fighter is right now. Right. No dispute at all. You know, but but like I said, and 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 Mike, just go back to you. Uh, like I said, in the past, we've said on the, this podcast, at some point, the fighter has to accept responsibility for what's going on with his career too. So I'm not I'm not just blaming Bob Aaron, but like I said, what made me upset? I'm just sitting there watching Crawford, like brother, come on. When 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 Bob Aaron said last night, oh, he can fight Spencer Garcia in the same night. He's bullshit. He's bullshit. I mean, I'm like, dude, you know that made me so hot. And Crawford just sitting there. I'm trying not to use a certain worker. He just sitting there playing. I took a good little, good little brother. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 these proposed uh, thing for next year in the, for with a, a foreign country for the money. At this point, with Crawford, 
until I see it, I don't believe none of Aram says when it comes to his career. It's it's sad. It's sad that we're not seeing these top fighters for him to fight on his resume. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just uh basically a freezing eye clock what's happening right now. With him. And, and and you know, a good number of people are saying like, oh, so that means the dear Terrence Crawford. No, that's not it. Like, it's it's one thing to say that you know fighters deducting Terrence Crawford, but if you're not actually having your promoter making the moves to try to make these fights happen, then that's on you. Like my thing, my thing was before. Um. Terrence Crawford announced who his opponent was going to be uh, for, you know, what ended up being last night, right? We all knew that Errol Spence was going to fight Danny Garcia. So if Errol Spence was going to fight Danny Garcia, why could you not make a push for Terrence Crawford to fight the likes of a Sean Porter or your Dennis Ugas? What y'all did was a PR move saying that, oh, uh, you know, we tried to see if we could get a fight with Keith Thurman, but Keith Thurman was asking for ten million dollars. Keith Thurman would not ask for ten million dollars for no fight. I'm saying that right now. He would not ask for that. And I didn't hear anything about that from him uh, when he had the PBC podcast uh, last week. There was nothing that said that Keith Thurman was going to ask for $10 million to fight Terrence Crawford. Only The only people that were saying that was Bowman. That's it. That's and, to my, and to my recollection, I think Keith Thurman is, is actually finished with his get back here, right? Is he finished with that? Yeah, I wonder if he's got finished with his get back here. But for those, <laughs> for those that were that, – for those that are saying that Keith Thurman was asking for $10 million, they need to show where Keith Thurman stated that he wanted $10 million to fight Terrence Crawford. Because the only way, the only way that you hear that Keith Thurman was asking for $10 million was coming from Crawford's side. That's it. And there were representatives within top rank that stated that Keith Thurman said five. He didn't say ten. He said five million. So there is that. Yeah, and, and just you know, Keith Thurman is not one of those people that's going to price himself out of a fight. I mean, post Mayweather, post Pacquiao, uh, Thurman of course got the Pacquiao fight. Got, got got his money on for that. We know that. But other than for the, the rest of people that's out there in one forty seven, he's not going to price himself out of a fight. And considering the fact that Crawford has a title. That's which some that uh, Thurman wants again. You're not going to be idiotic and just say actual ten. It just doesn't make sense. The market's not there for that. You're not the champion. Yeah, you have a right. uh, you have, you're one of the top names at 147, but you know you can't demand that figure. You can't command that, and no one no network's going to pay that. We know that. In the person that that is uh, on the YouTube chat right now, if you can. Call in 347-237-5539 because, uh, like I said, you, you want to say that 
Oh, look at Thurman asking for ten million, and talk about Spence saying that Crawford ain't in the plans. Call in, and 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 you know try to state your case. Like I said, they know what the situation is with Terrence Crawford. Like if there was a way that they could say, you know what, let's see what happens with Terrence Crawford and his uh contract with top rank. If it's over within a year, why would they try to go ahead and have a fight of that magnitude with another promotional company when they could basically have all of the resources and all of the fighters within their same stable? That's on one side. And the other side is this. Bob Arum usually doesn't have issues making fights with other promotional companies or fighters that are advised by some other promotional company or some other group. As long as he knows that he gets a better end of the deal one way or another, or that he gets paid pretty handsomely. Otherwise, he really wouldn't do it because it's too much of a risk for him. The thing with uh, Pulev, that's not much of a risk for him. So whether, you know, Pulev gets himself smashed against Anthony Joshua, like, that really doesn't mean that much to him because he's not putting out too much of the resources for that particular fight. Or you could say, hey, I had Vasilo Machenko going up against Luke Campbell. I'm not really putting up that much resources for that particular fight because he's going over to the UK for that fight. Matchroom is footing the bill for that. Or how about Jose Ramirez against Maurice Hooker? Matchroom is fitting the bill for that. So if if they're putting the bill for it and he doesn't have to go that much out of pocket, he has no issues of making those type of fights. When it comes to the thing with Terrence Crawford, how is it that he can't make fights for Terrence Crawford against guys that don't even have titles, that have the notoriety, that are former champions, and they can't even make a fight? They can't make a fight to... Danny Garcia instead of going to have a fight against Amir Khan. Like, you send some type of offer, but it goes to Angel Garcia, and it doesn't go to Al Heyman. That doesn't make any sense. Or you have guys like your Dennis Ugin saying that he could fancy a fight against Terrence Crawford, but you don't have Terrence Crawford and his team offering anything towards your Dennis Ugin. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, if that's the case, then what are you doing for your client? If your client and is saying, if he's adamant that he wants those fights, then you have to work for your client and make those fights. So, ultimately, what is the reason why Crawford, well, not, I'm not going to say Crawford, why is it that Aram has not, uh, is, is reluctant to get him these type of fights? What, what's the real reason behind that? I don't think he wants to. I don't think he wants to lose lose out on a potential, uh, you know, money making opportunity in that instance. But like I said, I mean, why is it that he's not, you know, making those fights for his clients? Well, I, I think that you work for your client. Like if you if you're working for. You know, like a Lomachenko, if you're working for Teofimo Lopez, if you're working for, you know, in the past, Manny Pacquiao, if you're working for Miguel Cotto, 
if you were working for Oscar De La Hoya, why is it that you're not working for someone that is considered by many as among the top guys pound for pound? You know what's crazy? You have actually what? Teofimo Lopez, who's just entered in the pound for pound list. You have Terrence Crawford, who's who's been in the top pound for pound list for years. And you did sign Nioa in a way. So why is it that you're going ahead and you're giving opportunities to like a Nioa in a way and, and putting your resources towards him, but you're not doing it towards Terrence Crawford? You 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 actually had before this lockdown, you had Nioa in a way um, pretty much locked in for a unification bout against uh John Rio Casimero. But you can't get get uh hit, uh Crawford in about a unification bout against uh, Terrence Crawford or against the Manny Pacquiao. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and, and just it's I, I think you were just onto it earlier where you said you just think we say we suggest that uh at some point in time Aaron just wants to it's kinda like it's kinda like being in it's kinda like being a hoarder in a sense. You want to hold all you can and but only allocate your resources to, to a certain certain events. In this case certain fighters. As we saw they, they had to push behind Loma Chico until of course he lost for the second time. But it's it's, it's I don't know. I don't it, it's not a it can't be a color thing. It can't be that uh, uh it's, it's it's so frustrating man. It's so frustrating. But it's like uh like I said from again from the post fight interview when Aaron suggested there may be a uh, event with with Crawford and maybe Pacquiao for next summer. As an optimist, I want to believe a part of that. <laughs> but at this point, it's a very small part of me that wants to actually believe and acknowledge that, that something's going to happen. Uh, but like I said, for, for at this point now, it goes back to Crawford. You know, you get, you're seeing all these people around you fight in your division. You prove, your, prove yourself time and time again. And like I said, and like I said the point I made earlier about you got Tank Davis getting a pay-per-view and you, yeah. had, you, hadn't, you hadn't sniffed a pay-per-view. You've never even been mentioned for a pay-per-view. Of course, that would have happened years ago if he would have fought Pacquiao. That would have been a pay-per-view worthy fight. And of course, Crawford would have been a B-side then. But even now, going to a supposed pay-per-view, who's going to be the A-side? Is Clark, can Crawford be the A-side? Because matter of fact, I think, what was it? Uh, Oh, uh, the week of, I think the week after Tanks, Tank beat uh, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, I think someone made the statement that, I'm trying to think what it was, basically they were saying Crawford's not pay-per-view worthy. You know, he's never been on pay-per-view, something like that. But, but like I so said, even just that just that, that notion on Crawford's never been on pay-per-view and has never seen that type of money like that. And it's like Aaron just got him in his back pocket. He'll use it when he has to use it. And at this point, He's never wanted to fully put him out there. I mean, we know that goes back to proper states with uh, fighting on HBO. We know that. We talked about that 25 million yeah. times in the past, like that. And it's it, and what's funny, that was, what, 2015, 16? And he's still in the same promotional situation, only locked in to B-level opponents at this point. Because if you look at the WBO rankings, Crawford's, at this, Crawford's, Crawford's number one, not going to happen. Garcia's looking to do something at 140, probably. August number five, you already got WBC belt. He's a PBC mm-hmm. fighter. The only Thurman's number 10 out there right now. 
also there's absolutely no other notable names other than a Virgil Ortiz that uh, who's, who sits at number two for the WBO. That's mm-hmm. even uh, even even worthy to consider in Crawford's uh, for Crawford, and, and and what if Crawford uh, fought Virgil Ortiz? Ortiz is what fifteen zero, sixteen zero, whatever it is. He's a baby in, in terms and, and and Virgil Ortiz is a good prospect. We know that, but he's still a prospect at, at this point. He's not being a top name. We know he has punch power. We know that. His resume states that. But what would Crawford gain from being a Virgil Ortiz? Matter of fact, if anything, that would he would probably get criticized for finding someone with that type of record. Even right. though uh Ortiz is a solid a solid prospect still at this point. But when when there's other people out there establishing this vision, your Ortiz your uh, Garcia, Spence Porter, things like that, there's only one fight we want to see. But unfortunately, <laughs> we're we're probably not going to see it no time soon, and I hope and pray Crawford just like she just kind of rides out to the end of the contract. Uh, and you already know it's and and for me we already know what's going to happen. Towards the end of that exactly. deal, Aaron's going to be uh, all active again. Oh, Terrence Crawford and try to big him up and try. Oh yeah, Terrence Crawford. I'm, I'm like, dude, you been keeping that same low energy when it comes to me for about three, four, five years. Don't be trying to get me up there now because you ain't been trying to do it now. You just want to keep me. <laughs> you just want to keep me so I won't leave the stable. And like you said, Jay, Crawford can go across the street and and have them make all that money in the big paper you probably would spend Crawford. And so, mm. I mean, you know, Aaron's been in this game for a long time. So he, he knows what's coming, but it's a shame that, like I said, he's basically keeping Crawford in his back pocket, keeping him at bay, feeding him just, a, just enough to, to quote, unquote, keep him happy, things like that. Sweet talking to his ear and everything like that, and at the same time we get uh, mediocre matchups, which is sad. So yeah, now sad. For me, real sad. Crawford. You know, it's real sad. And you were talking about all of these guys that were, um, you know, potential um, contenders. Talking about like Virgil Ortiz with with him being on the only um, sixteen and zero. And you got like a guy like a Keith Thurman that's ranked ten, or your Dennis Ugas is ranked five, but Castillo like Castillo uh, Clayton uh, is ranked number four. Uh, Boots Ennis is ranked number eleven, but Castillo Clayton is ranked number four. Like, I mean, unless the WBO forces their hand and says, "Hey, we're going to order this mandatory." Uh, between Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter because it's been a year, so he's only had that uh, defense against Kavalioskis, uh from last year, December of last year. So why not have the WBO announce that there will be a man, there should be a mandatory defense between Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter because what that would do is that would say, hey, look. We're going to see if we can work out a deal. If we can't work out a deal, it goes to the purse bid. And if it goes to the purse bid, hmm, who's going to end up, who's going to try to win that purse bid? We're going to see if uh, Bob Arum really wants to put up money for his guy in Terrence Crawford and not have him be outbid by PBC in, in a fight of that particular magnitude. You know, because 
I, I feel like that is I've, I've said this for a while like that is the fight that Terrence Crawford should have at this particular juncture if he can't have a fight against Manny Pacquiao you know because he's not gonna like Crawford is not gonna fight like a Jordan Ugas that's that's to me that's a stylist that's not a good stylistic fight for him right now. And that isn't one that's gonna, you know, I guess move the needle that you know people need. Like he needs to fight someone like a Sean Porter, who's a former world champ, two-time world champ, that could give him some work, give him some serious work. So why not make that fight happen? Why not see what he does against Sean Porter? If he gets the win. Then he gets a whole lot more momentum and he gets more eyes going towards him, which means he makes more money. Because, oh, Bob Barron was talking about, oh, uh, we're not getting that much money off of it. Uh, does it pay the bills? Oh, uh, you can have the greatest opera singer in the world. But if the fans don't support it, you're out of business. I'll be losing houses, you know, if I keep paying this guy and he has these fights and nobody cares to watch them. Well, they don't care to watch them because they know that they're mismatches, man. They're mismatches. You know? So, if you're going to have these tremendous mismatches, then, of course, people aren't going to be interested in them. Like, there's no point for people to go to Madison Square Garden and they're more interested in the fight between Teofimo Lopez and Richard uh, and, and, um, yeah, Richard Comey, than they are against the long-standing world champion, multi-division world champion in Terrence Crawford, the Gideon Kowalowski's. Like, if he's the WBO champ and he's the headliner, then why are people saying, oh, uh, you know, we saw who we needed to see. You know what? We out. That's good. We're out. And Terrence Crawford's supposed to be one of your top guys in your in, in your uh in your promotional company and people are leaving Madison Square Garden before he has a spike. That doesn't make any sense at all. Like that that means you're not really you're not really caring about the guy, you know? So uh man, this is uh really bad there with uh Bob Ehrman and Bob uh and shoot, I I'll just call it out straight up. Bob Aram, Todd DeBoe uh, you know, who else is out there with him? I mean, it is it is what it is. If y'all aren't going to put in, because it's crazy. They put in so much effort towards Vasil Lomachenko to the point where it said, look, we'll have not only Vasil Lomachenko fight um, Luke Campbell for the WBC lightweight title, we'll actually go ahead and make him a franchise champion. That's crazy. They made they they made him franchise champion there instead of him going up against Devin Haney for that WBC belt because he was supposed to face two top rated contenders for that vacant WBC title at the time. He said, "Hey, there's no issues with me fighting uh, Luke Campbell, but Devin Haney, nope, nope, we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it." But here you have Terrence Crawford, multi-division champion, champion at 135, 
undisputed champion at 140, champion at 147, and you can't give him no big opportunities whatsoever, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. And, and, and Crawford, Crawford, I'm sorry, he has part of the blame for this too because you can't have a, an instance where you're pursuing a fight with Manny Pacquiao all those years, and what does Bob Barham do? He has him, Manny Pacquiao, fighting Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn really ain't did anything. Really, like, nothing. Like, the attraction was Manny Pacquiao. That's basically it. So Jeff Horn was just there at the time just to be there. But with Jeff Horn winning the belt, that basically just said, you know what? We have this instance where it's almost like um, between Pacquiao and Bradley. A lot of people felt like Manny Pacquiao won that fight. But because Bradley was a new signee, they had to give some type of incentive for Tim Bradley at the time. So they said, hey, we'll give, we'll give you a benefit of a doubt. If you're able to perform well, then it is what it is, man. We'll, we'll get you the belt. You, you get what you get after that. But you haven't really seen – that's crazy. You haven't even seen anything with Terrence Crawford, the level of Tim Bradley. Tim Bradley has had, had, had a better resume at welterweight than Terrence Crawford. That's crazy. Like, and, he, and that's he was able to face so uh, what? Excuse me. You're, you're right. That's a great point uh, with, uh, with Bradley's resume at 147. But that's why that's why it's so confusing to try to pinpoint a reason why Aaron just keeps him in his pocket. It, it doesn't make sense. Did Crawford say something bad to him? Did, did Crawford screw his daughter or something? Is this basically personal? <laughs> that's what you, you know. That's why almost what you want to think. But but Bradley, Bradley, let's see, Bradley fought. Let's see, Pacquiao force twice. Uh, Marquez. Uh, who was the who, who was the Tim Bradley fought? He fought everybody. He fought everybody. You for a fireman. Shoot, even. No, that was. Provodnikov, Marquez, Jesse Vargas. You know, but he had three fights. Three fights with Manny Pacquiao, man. Uh, Brandon, he also fought like Brandon Rios. But at least with those guys, you, you actually knew who those guys were. Whether it was, you know, whether they did something in 147 or is some on one forty. At least you knew those guys. But like Bradley Bradley fighting Jesse Vargas is probably a more a higher profile fight than what Crawford has had up to this particular point, with the exception of maybe Kel Brook. And you wouldn't be lying for that. You would not be lying. Because to go back and I saw somebody made a post with, oh somebody on the post on Twitter said, Oh, the Gamboa fight was Crawford's best win. Well uh, excuse me, that was at 135, and that was what <laughs> three, four years ago. It was like, yeah, yeah how many that years? Was, that was almost five, six years ago. Yeah, and they said somebody said Gamble was his best win, which is crazy. Because how many time, how many people have came up and established themselves at 147, and you and someone saying referring back to win at 135 was someone's best win? It's ridiculous. Like is like. Tim Bradley's win over Juan Manuel Marquez is a bigger win than any fight that Crawford has had. 
I can say that. I can say that. Like Bradley's win over Juan Manuel Marquez was a bigger win than what Terrence Crawford has had at this particular point in the welterweight division. And and, and I don't think it's I don't think it should be really that close actually. I, I, that's why I feel like the the, the situation that uh, Terrence Crawford is in right now, I just think he'll have a, um, you know, a, a uh, situation here where he may have to force the hand of uh, Bob Arum and say, hey, this is the fight that I want to have next. He's Bob Arum's talking about this whole thing with Manny Pacquiao, whatever it is. I don't even think that fight's going to happen or that Manny Pacquiao is going to fight him. He might end up fighting Mikey Garcia um, and just go ahead and have that fight and get it over with. And if that's the case, then what Terrence Crawford should do is he should have the fight against Sean Porter. Because if he doesn't have that fight against Sean Porter, there's really no other fight that he could, you know, put together. Because Keith Thurman... I guess he was talking about maybe fighting your Dennis Ugas. Like he said that, hey, your Dennis Ugas, you know, has a, uh, you know, that regular belt there, the WBA. So maybe, you know, I could, I could probably fight him. You know, I respect him. So he could end up fighting your Dennis Ugas. So if that's the case, then, shoot, you really don't have much of a dancing partner next uh, there, Mr. Terrence Crawford. What are you going to do? I say... Call up the WBO, tell them that, hey, I want to have that mandatory defense against Sean Porter. That's the fight that should happen. Because, like I said, there should be no way that Terrence Crawford, at this particular point of his career, doesn't have a better resume than Tim Bradley Jr. does at welterweight. And that's even taking away the fights against Manny Pacquiao. He still has a better resume and welterweight than Terrence Crawford does. Well, so uh, I think we probably just <laughs> are equally upset with that, along with everybody else who's able to listen to the podcast or review it later. Uh, but yeah, what, what are your prospects? What are your prospects with uh, Garcia Spence in that regard? Um, I mean, the way that people are talking about Spence coming off of um, workouts and things like that, he says that he is really confident going into this particular fight. So um, I'm I'm leaning towards Spence. I think that Spence is is the one that could, you know, is the guy in the welterweight division right now. And that Danny Garcia just, like, he's been – short, just short in those fights that are there within the top five uh, in the welterweight division. Like, he's been short against Keith Thurman. He's been short against Sean Porter. And the Sean Porter fight should have been the fight where he should have just went into another gear and said that he would be better than Sean Porter because... A lot of people criticize Sean Porter because they feel like he smothers a lot of his punches or smothers a lot of his work. Okay, cool. Then how is it that you, Danny Garcia, are not able to take advantage of the smothered work of Sean Porter? 
He wasn't able to do that at the Barclays Center that night. So for me, I just think that, you know, unless if he goes, you know, balls to the wall against Earl Spence coming off the gate, he might get beat down in this one, man. Yeah, I'm glad you offered that because when when I think about the fight even more now, uh, Danny, we we already know is a is a mainly a counter uh, a counter counter fight. He's, he likes to he's not necessarily the fight that's me coming forward. He likes to give counters to the entire fight. Whereas on the other hand, we already know Spence is all action. I'm coming to seek and destroy and kill whoever's burning me. Uh, he showed us that one. Look, take a look back when we when when Spence fought uh, Lamont Peterson. And and did what did what he, we were all like wow, no one's never did that to him, no one's been, and and Spence has been it's been a, a path of destruction since then, just knocking everybody out. Uh, look at the example of the, when he fought Carol Brook when he broke his face, <laughs> no one's had never done that to to Brook before right. to that point. So I mean so at this point, Spence's resume his his whole uh, mo is to seek destroy and and knock you out. We know that. Now, Danny Garcia does have power, but at the same time, he's not going to be able to, to – well, will Garcia be able to, to move backwards, move laterally, things like that, and stay away from, from, from Spencer's relentless pressure? Now, what's great about this, we know that Garcia wants to have a belt again. At the same time, we look at Spence. We know he had the accident last year, uh, was out of commission for a while, got back into the ring, and the biggest question looming over his head is is he the same? And you got the whole wild world, letting on the entire welterweight division, watching to see if Spence is still the same. Because the thing about it, if there's any blood in the water, where Spence gets where Spence gets hurt, or he shows something different that he's never shown before, where he's weaker, uh, Garcia's gonna be able to pick him on that, on on that, capitalize on that. And not only that, even if Spence wins, and this is close. It's going to be other people. You know what? I'm ready for that Spence fight now. He's not the same no more. So Spence has a big question left over his head to see if he's still the same. Because as you recall, shortly after the accident, when he finally gave a public interview, I forgot whatever fight that was, his face was still puffy. His speech was a little bit slower than what we typically see from him. And we know he's still hurt. And through his own mm. admission, Spence said, you know, I probably shouldn't have given that interview, but uh, – more like his ego got the best of him. Like, you know, I just say something to the people, let them know I have gone nowhere. I'm still right here. That's, I've had an accident, but I'm still right here. But like I said, even when we saw that accident, we broke that apart, broke that apart many times on the show as well. He's, he, he's definitely hurt, but like I said, going forward, Spence himself has a lot of questions to answer for us as well. So see if he's still the same. It's still going to be relentless. Can he take shots? That's, and that's the biggest thing right there. Is he able to take shots from another top welterweight? That's what we all want to see. But right. uh, in, in essence, this fight is made for Spence. He's an aggressive, come forward fighter. Is he still the same? We shall find out. Uh, we know that Denny's going to be on that back foot, and he's going to be overworking that, uh, the hell out of that, that left hook that he's known for. So, uh, but, it's, but this is why we love boxing. We got two top tier uh, in the division. We got their own, their, own, their own. They both had their own reason on why they want to win and why they're hungry. Uh, it's, like I said, this is why we love boxing, and this is why they make the fight, and this is why they fight, and uh, this is why they play the game in a sense. But it's it's a great fight, but for equally compelling reasons. So I can't wait to see him. Yep. I'm glad that we're getting some good fights, 
and the last quarter of this year to, to uh, digest and look forward to next year. Yep. And, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm looking ahead towards that, that particular bout there between uh, Spence and Garcia. Like, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like skeptical with Garcia as to, you know, how he performs in, you know, fights of this magnitude. Um, you know, there is something where it's like, okay, he's having these performances against, um, you know, other guys, you know, like, uh, uh, Adrian Granados or, you know, a Brandon Rios or a Sammy Vargas, but anyone that's, you know, within his caliber, within his range, uh, as far as like, you know, uh, height, reach, uh, age, whatever it is, he comes up short. And so, you know, with that being said, like, how is he going to, you know, fare against the likes of Errol Spence Jr.? Like, Keith, the Keith Thurman and Sean Porter fights, they were basically the same, almost like the same result. Actually, with Sean Porter, he lost a unanimous decision to Sean Porter, and they lost a split decision to Keith Thurman. So, like, Sean Porter was able to pull out, you know, a better you know, win against uh, Danny Garcia than Keith Thurman was at the time. And those were within a year's, you know, year's time. Um, you know, with Danny Garcia, he he had his fight against Ivan Redcatch earlier this year, and that was like a unanimous decision. And I think, like, people probably would feel like, hey, he should be able to go through guys like an Ivan Redcatch uh, who, you know, was kind of um, – you know, someone that bounces back and forth with, with uh, 140 and 147. Like, he's, you know, been there like uh, super lightweight. And then he has, you know, a fight against Devin Alexander. Okay, he beats Devin Alexander and then goes up against Danny Garcia. But other than that, like, you really haven't seen uh, uh, Ivan Redcatch really have any type of notable wins, especially at 147 pounds. So if you have that being the case, Danny Garcia should have been able to take care of business and take out Ivan Redcatch uh, in that particular fight. But he didn't do that. He went through 12 rounds. He won nine or 10 rounds out of that fight. And it is what it is. But here against uh, Errol Spence Jr., that's a whole different animal. Um, and we're going to see how Errol Spence comes in. I know that he's kind of like been high in weight in his previous fights or, you know, before his fights, 180 pounds, 175 pounds or so. But now he says that he's kind of like not been around that weight range. He's kind of like been down like 160 or 165 so that he doesn't have to, you know, cut that much weight. So we're going to see here in the next uh, few weeks how that uh, turns out, you know. Uh, Yeah, I was able to just go through a lot there with the conversation with Terrence Crawford, man. Um, I know that we had the news of um, Canelo Alvarez being a free agent. I guess he's going to be soon to um, announce his fight. Uh, that's going to be in December. I think it'll be December 19th against um, Callum Smith. And we're talking about him possibly fighting Caleb Plant. But that's that's just something of a uh, level where you can't have 
a fight of that magnitude be so soon. So they're going to weed out that particular fight and you know, have this, I guess, fight against uh, Callum Smith or he just may end up fighting Adam Yodrum for the vacant WBC super middleweight title. Um, Luke Campbell tested uh, positive for COVID, so his fight against uh, Ryan Garcia is being postponed. Uh, you also have uh, Nordino Valley uh, that was supposed to fight Nonito Donaire, uh, but he also tested positive for COVID, so uh, that fight uh, has been basically uh, scrapped. It was going to be December 12th, so um, uh, now Nonito Donaire will be facing Emmanuel Rodriguez, and it will be on December 19th, so uh, that's pretty much the remaining news that's been, you know, out and about uh, uh, that's happening right now. Uh, but that's kind of like uh, where I'm going uh, to bring it into this particular episode of the Boxing Source radio show. Uh, we'll have another episode uh, coming up next Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time Live. Uh, like I said, the end of every show, folks, point of boxing is to hit, not to hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Later.